There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Baskin Robbins always finds out. I for the faster way. Are you Tony's stank? I am Iron Man. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo, and the boys are back at it again. Back at it again? Back at it again. Oh, yeah. And we're also back at it again. We've got Peaches, Chris, Robbie, uh, myself, Eduardo, and we're back to talk all about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. What's up, hey. boys? You guys ready? The boys are backgammon. Yes, the boys are checkers. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, well, that joke was kind of parcheesy, guys. I don't know. Damn. Whoa. Oh, God. Okay, let's I'm go. So sorry Man, you're really here. playing chess with those puns, Chris. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, you're not in trouble. <laughs> Shoot Robbie, say something. We don't have a monopoly on talking on this podcast. Hey. Gloom Haven. <laughs> no one has a clue what that means. Uh. I'm from Puerto Rico. <laughs> <laughs> How do I work in castles of Mad King Ludwig into a sentence? It's a, it's a tough one. I seven wonders when this is going to stop. <laughs> I just, uh, this is taking, like, I need, like, Sulkin, the Mayan calendar, to time this conversation. All right, let's sushi go. (laughs) (laughs) I broke Robbie. He had water in his mouth. (laughs) Water is now all over the couch that's next to me. Well, welcome back, everyone. We took a nice little week off. We had a nice week to recharge our batteries, because we're back in it. And before we talk about the, the, the episode we're going to talk about today, we have a release date for Loki, uh, which is going to be happening very soon after Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So if you were expecting some time off, too bad, because we're going <laughs> full mm-hmm. force into the next series. And I think this is kind of going to be our lives for a while, because it looks like this is what they're going to do with the Marvel series. Is I mean, I'm sure we're going to get What If shortly after Loki, and then we're going to continue to get show after show after show. I think that's kind of where we're headed. I'm excited for uh, the Book of Boba Fett so we can actually take a break. (laughs) (laughs) But we also, in between this and Loki, we get Black Widow, right? Yeah. Oh, God. Allegedly. Goodness gracious. If they don't change their minds again. Yeah. We got to, that's going to be a whole thing to figure out. Like, how do we do a movie when a movie is... Mm-hmm. probably going to be in theaters so we can't watch it at home and take notes and stuff. I assume they're going to do the the direct as well, just like they've done with all their other Disney Plus stuff. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I, I feel like they are trying very hard not to do that for Marvel for many reasons. Right. The biggest one being money. I wouldn't. My theory, I'm just throwing this out there, is that they were, they're going to delay Black Widow one more time by about a month. Either push it back to later in May or push it to June. Maybe like right before Loki comes out. Maybe push Loki back by a week. And that way, 
you know, they have another month of people getting vaccines, another month of people feeling more comfortable possibly going to a movie theater again. I think they would love nothing more than to be the first big movie back after uh, after all of this has gone down. That would be cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that once I get that shot, I'm going to be like, take me to the movie theater. I'll go see Tom and Jerry. I don't even care. <laughs> I just want to be in the movies again. You'll watch the Snyder Cut in theaters? Well, yeah, bit maybe of not anything. Around. <laughs> uh, if this is your first time listening to Assembly Required, welcome. But if you're one of the listeners that has joined us through our MCU rewatch or has joined us as we've covered WandaVision or any of our other episodes, thank you very much for joining with us. This show continues to climb in uh, popularity, and there are more and more people listening to it every day, and... Uh, we're just really lucky to have all of you listening to us right now. Um, and thank yeah. you to the person who listened, who their first episode was the episode where we joked about how it would be crazy if it was anyone's first episode. You know yeah, whose thank friend you, that was? Thank you, listener, because I'm the one that suggested that, and all these people shouted me down saying there's no way that would be a person. <laughs> you know who suggested that, or who, whose friend that was? That was our friend Patrick, who also sent us some fan mail. I'm just hey. going to read this for you guys. Yeah. He said, hello. Just wanted to shoot you guys a message and tell you that you're doing an incredible job with this. I'm rewatching the MCU and seeing many of the movies for the second time ever. I look forward to completing each one so that I can listen to the next episode and hear the history behind the movies and the other things I have missed. That's the part we don't care about. Here's the important part. <laughs> I must agree with Eduardo on Holy something crap. that you all may have forgotten about by now. Is this going to be a <laughs> stupid Iron Man 3 comment? I'm leaving. The helicarrier is mediocre at best. Okay. When okay. I saw the movie for the first time, I had no knowledge of the characters of the comics. Over the years, somehow my lasting memory of the movie was that a good portion of it was spent in this boring set. Even when it okay. lifts out of the water, it does nothing for me. It just seems like something you'd see in any action movie. Anyway, keep up the great work. I can't wait to delve into the Iron Man 3 episode. Okay, first of all, we will never forget the Helicarrier controversy. No. Yeah, right. I feel like, I feel like that's our go-to Eduardo's wrong uh, touchstone. <laughs> it's the Helicarrier. No, people keep listening, Patrick. You don't anymore. The there are you, people out there. There are the, the Edwardites. They're gathering together. <laughs> the Edwardites? <laughs> They're oh gathering together to push back on the, 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 the mainstream helicarriers over here, all right? We're, oh, boy. We We're deserve to be the heard. Final confrontation. The ABCD Edwardicon. Heading for a final confrontation between the anti-helicarrier army and the, uh, the anti-MJ military. Oh boy, I've been playing a lot of uh, the Spider-Man PS4 games lately. I just mm -hmm. I finally finished up the DLC after getting mad at Screwball and putting it aside for like a year, and, <laughs> and just started Miles Morales uh, a couple days ago. Ooh. So I've got the J. Jonah, J. Jonah Jameson podcast in my head, and I'm just imagining Eduardo calling all of his fans Eduardites and like going on rants about the Helicarrier. <laughs> <laughs> it's a menace. <laughs> <laughs> a boring menace look man i just appreciate that someone understands it just as me and isn't a hater like you three oh. except i'm technically the hater here because i'm the one that doesn't right? like the helicarrier but yeah forget that you hate that i hate it we're helicarrier inclusive here 
thank you, Patrick, for sending us the email. Thank you for having your friend listen to the show and having their first yeah, episode you, be the last uh, episode of the WandaVision show. Uh, we appreciate uh, your, your listening patronage. But this episode, we're talking all about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, we're going to be discussing episode one, A New World Order, directed by and written by oh. no one, apparently. Um <laughs> Uh, somebody quickly hey. look this up because uh, yeah. my teleprompter isn't working. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'll um, remember to do this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Um, please, I was just like reading about both of these people. Uh, okay. The yeah, I was reading about the director because is, she went to. Um... Is named uh, Malcolm, Malcolm Spellman. Directed by Carrie Skolgland, written by Malcolm Spellman. Yes, Carrie Scogland is directing every episode, I believe. Okay. Uh, j- just like um, just like Matt Shackman did with WandaVision. Right, did Matt Shackman direct every episode of WandaVision? Yes, he did. Yes. I believe yes. so. And she... Yeah, so, I was reading uh, that so she, she is directing... I, I was reading that she watched a bunch of French film to... She thought it would help with the characterization uh, and the emotions of Interesting. this. Uh, and then I forgot her name, apparently, after reading that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so this episode, Malcolm Spellman is the head writer, and he also wrote this episode, too. I don't know if maybe he's written, uh, he has not written every episode. There are other writers on staff, but he wrote this episode. And Carrie Skogland is directing every episode. Uh, she is the first solo female director over an entire Marvel project. Oh, wow. That's cool. Wait, what? Okay. Yeah. You're not, uh, yeah, like I guess not counting. Uh, over at Marvel Studios, uh, so not counting like episodes of Agents of Shield or anything right, like that. Right, right. There, there have been you know female directors there, um, but for a Marvel Studios production, she's the first solo female director. There was a um, obviously Eternals is coming out later, mm-hmm. and uh, Chloe Zhao is getting all the directing awards right now, so should be interesting. Yeah, and um, I, I forget the director's of um captain marvel Marvel. right yeah so there were two directors for the the first captain marvel um the second captain marvel movie i'm blank is it nia DaCosta who's directing that i believe who who directed the Candyman reboot sequel thing that's coming out eventually at some point if you say (laughs) something by jordan peele yeah i think so yeah i thought he was the director Um, no, everyone thought he was the director because they keep advertising it as from Jordan Peele, but he's just the producer. Nia DaCosta is directing it. Nia DaCosta. So, anyway, yeah. Falcon Winter Soldier, Breaking Ground, with a uh, with a female director. That took too long. Yep. <laughs> well, they tried once with Thor 2, and then Patty Jenkins left, but we got Wonder Woman out of it. So That's true. It's a fair, fair trade, and, and if she had done Thor The Dark World, we probably wouldn't have gotten Taika Waititi for Ragnarok, so... I think it all worked out in the end in that specific case, but yeah, no, it did take too long. <laughs> Our series begins with Sam Wilson putting on a suit and picking up Captain America's shield. As he does, he remembers Steve Rogers asking him how the shield feels, and Wilson tells Rogers like it's someone else's. After a cut, we are treated to a lengthy action sequence of Sam as Falcon assisting the U.S. Air Force in stopping a terrorist group known as LAF from abducting a critical USAF agent. The sequence includes the triumphant return of Batroc the Leaper. Batroc the Leaper! (laughs) (laughs) 
With a True. lot of aerial action shots and some featured moments of fa uh, Falcon's drone Red Wing, Wilson is eventually able to rescue the agent and stop LAF, though Batrock escapes. So I feel like when we first started this and we first watched the first few MCU movies, they had a very militarized feel to them. They were very much so military propaganda isn't the correct term, mm -hmm. but it's it's the one that I'm going to go with. Uh, it might be the correct term. <laughs> there is technically funding and cooperation coming from the Department of Defense and the Air Force. So, yes. and, and the so, reason for that is for propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Uh, and this kind of—it's a feels loaded like it's, word, but it's not necessarily inaccurate. Yeah, this kind of feels like it's heading back in that direction. I feel like we haven't had this since maybe Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier was the last one that truly felt military. -y. Captain Marvel. You think Captain Marvel? Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah, it did a little bit, but I want to say we talked about this on the podcast. Yeah. The there early was a lot MCU of... movies had a lot of cooperation, and then they lost their cooperation because they weren't necessarily painting the military or the government in a good light. And I want to like say it was, it was winter soldier when that it was Avengers. started to disappear. It was Avengers. Okay. It was Avengers. It was Avengers. They didn't like that. Uh, a, a branch that something that was ostensibly part of the government was going to throw a nuke at New York city. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, so they did not cooperate with that. Um, the Avengers didn't like it either. Yeah, no one liked it. It was a so, bad move. Um, but I mean, but we all Cap found out Powers Booth was a bad guy anyway. But yeah, no, the Air Force like literally used Captain Marvel uh, images in promotional material. Oh, um, okay. So well, yeah, yeah, it was very much, I, and and you know, and that makes sense. I I love the Air Force. My grandpa was in the Air Force, um, so um, don't think I'm crapping on the Air Force here. I'm just pointing out that that was the Air Force was very involved with that movie and and did use it in you know some you know like air like literal air force commercials is that why higher further faster was such a forced meme yes probably okay. <laughs> i think they used it in their in their commercials yeah i don't for those of you that don't watch sports sports during the release of captain marvel was the play-by-play -play announcer constantly just saying higher further faster captain marvel now in theaters like you just just described nothing <laughs> oh espn Daft that Punk. disney family work it higher make it faster. i remember one time i got a uh i got a notification from the espn app after some football player got injured and just had to power through it and he had said afterwards that he thought about what Luke Cage would do. And I got an ESPN notification for that. Because mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh. They just synergy look so excited. that Oh, there's synergy. We got to talk about this. <laughs> uh, speaking of Captain Marvel, I watched... This is so not related. But I watched this uh, documentary yesterday about the last blockbuster that's still around. Oh, in, I've been wanting to watch that. And apparently the Captain Marvel scene in the blockbuster was filmed at that blockbuster in bend oregon the last one that's mm -hmm. still around and it has a bunch of weird russell crowe memorabilia in it because john oliver donated it to them <laughs> it's a really weird like there was like some auction and he was like you know who could use this this last remaining blockbuster and then he sends them a bunch of 
Russell Crowe memorabilia. And it's like stuff he's worn in all of his movies. And they talk about how he has like a, like a crotch strap from gladiator, like a jock strap. And that's like on display and like on display. Yeah. They're in like glass Why? cases, dude. They're like all the stuff is in like glass. Case. He's got like, like costume from Les Mis and like from like all the stuff that he's done. Those are the only two ones that I really know. Uh, I don't forget. He was Mr. Hyde in the universal dark universe. That's true. That is true. <laughs> So that's fun. That's for successful cinematic universe. But yeah, this it's got a really military forward feel to it. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind as we continue watching. I don't know how long that's going to stay. I've got a feeling we get to a point where Sam and Bucky aren't necessarily liked by the military. I don't mm-hmm. think this is going to point the military uh, paint the military in the best light because it feels like. Um. U.S. agent will not be. He he's not going to be like a good guy, right? He's it's not going to be our pal U.S. agent. Yeah, I don't think. No, uh, depends on what you believe in. I kind of in in line with what you just said, though. I had a takeaway from this episode, like pretty early on, where in my in my head I went, "Wow, they're back to like full on killing people in battles again." <laughs> And oh, yeah, he kicked a guy out of that airplane. That. And... <laughs> yeah, we've talked about that in previous episodes where, like, there was a period of time where, where like, even action sequences between good guys and bad guys, you didn't really see anybody die. And then, like, Iron Man 3 and a couple other movies, it was like, oh, we're, like, we're shooting people. Like, that guy just got shot. And then <laughs> it kind of went back to, okay, it's comics, like, we're fighting aliens, maybe it doesn't matter as much. And this went kind of back to the iron man three of okay sam just shot a a mine at that helicopter and blew it up he just threw a guy out of the helicopter and he hit a rock and is now falling to his death like you know, and you know what it, it's, it's almost easy to accept because it's a military operation though and you expect yeah. people to die i guess yeah but it was just kind of jarring to kind of go back to that like yeah. oh we're like we're like 100 killing people let's and it's, okay mm-hmm. It's funny you say that because the other day I just randomly it showed up in my algorithm the the part where Iron Man in Iron Man three escapes which is of course a good Marvel movie. Um, yeah. It's the part where he escapes from the the complex uh, mm-hmm. that he's being held in. In that scene, and you know while he's waiting for his armor to come to him, it's, he tells the you know one of the thugs holding the gun at him, you know, okay, you're gonna die first. And I just that absolutely hit me. It's like wait a second this isn't the MCU anymore. Like it absolutely had this moment of me thinking that that line was like ill fitting in the franchise as a whole, but it was not mm. ill fitting when that movie came out. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting. I actually uh, did a little research before this episode. There's not much to talk about, which is why I didn't bring it up, but there was a five issue miniseries that came out last year, probably as promotion for when the show was supposed to come out. That was Falcon of the winter soldier. <laughs> and part of it is, Sam constantly reminding Bucky that no, we're not supposed to kill people. <laughs> and then this uh, the show ends begins. First of all, really cool to get just a complete Falcon action sequence. Yes, very cool. I'm glad we're talking about it because I didn't know what to write about it since it's just an action sequence. But it was great. It was really fun. Yeah. It was neat seeing him just operate on his own, not getting beat up by Paul Rudd. And uh, not as a supporting player in some larger battle that's going on, uh, where it's just, hey, 
this guy, he's an Avenger too. He he knows what's up. He's really good at what he does. Yeah, I yeah, agree with fun. everything that you're saying, but I also think this scene could have benefited from a little bit of trimming of the fat. Like I think I agree. Yeah, I think I it went on too. a little too long because mm-hmm. at first I was like, "Oh, this is really cool," and then by the end of it, I was like, "This has gone on a really long time." <laughs> He's still just flying. The flying's cool, but now it's just flying in different directions. Right. It's it kind of felt like cool it was the, there's no action the rest of the episode. We got to get it in now. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's one of the reasons next. why it's there is to be like, this is going to draw you in. And then we've got a lot of exposition because we got to set up our, our our story going forward, our, our, mm-hmm. our, our, our backstory for these characters. Right. HBO forward, does so gotta... nudity. Disney Plus does action sequences. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> uh,. And so they needed to, to kind of set up the fight. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I liked the fight. I think it went on a little too long. Yeah, mm. I agree with that completely. Yeah, yeah. I, if it had been shorter, I wouldn't have complained about it being too too short. Was <laughs> that was that fight like a very recent flashback? That's how kind of I understood it. Because in the very beginning, he's putting on the same suit that he wears to the Smithsonian. Then this yes. fight happens, and then he's at the Smithsonian. I want to say. I want to yeah. feel like it happened like maybe a day or two before. Yeah, because yeah, at the end of the scene, the Smithsonian was the flashback, but you might be right. No, because because as he's le- after that whole fight when he's with Torres, yeah, he says, right. I have to go to Washington. So, yes, it's a very recent flashback. OK, moon stuff. Or anyway, maybe I'm the Smithsonian in. part of the beginning is a flash forward. But a it's very, well, a very close right. flash so forward, like to the next day. The first scene where he's putting the, the um, the shield in the bag that is an Easter egg for when or, okay. or foreshadowing, if you will. <laughs> I didn't say this right away, but I I have to say it now. I I might go into full troll mode and go onto YouTube because I guarantee you there's some. St- I shouldn't besmirch anybody on the internet, but I'm gonna t- I'm gonna give myself a pass this one time. Screen some, some stupid freaking YouTube video out there where some guy is like, "These 162 Easter eggs appeared in Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode one," and the very first thing they're gonna say is. In the opening scene of episode one of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Sam Wilson uses an iron to flatten his shirt, and he is a man. That's a reference to Iron Man. (laughs) (laughs) Also, later in the episode, when he's talking about his boat to his sister, he says the word Marvel. Few may know that Marvel is the name of the studio producing this show. Easter. I always close my eyes when the studio logo comes on screen because I don't want to know who's making my movie. That might affect my uh, my outcome, <laughs> my, my enjoyment. And the Marvel crawl is really long too, so you got to close your eyes right, for a while, eyes, like three minutes. La 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 la. Not listening to the. Uh, Does this mean Sam is gonna be the new Iron Man? It's the only conclusion <laughs> to come with thematically is that <laughs> yes, Sam is going to be is going to take up the mantle of a fallen hero, Iron Man. Right. <laughs> That's why the Captain America shield is in the logo. The they series. do mention Iron Man in the scene where he's repairing his backpack. That's true. <laughs> and at the bank. At the end, they watch US Agent appear on television. This is a reference to WandaVision, the show that entirely takes place on TV. <laughs> <laughs> uh 
After the rescue, Sam has coffee with USAF Lieutenant Torres. A stranger recognizes Sam as an Avenger and thanks him for bringing his wife back. And also, Sam speaks Arabic. Uh, Torres yeah. briefs Sam on the growing presence of an organization that can be found on the dark web message boards, calling themselves the Flag Smashers. Did are you guys? Uh oh. Were, were we about to say the same thing, Peach? I don't know. I was going to say I learned maybe 15 minutes ago, so I was wondering if you guys knew that Torres is an actual character from the Marvel comics. We were about to say the same thing. I yes. thought yeah. you were going to say that about another character in this scene, and I said, read the notes, but keep going. No, he's uh, his name is Joaquin Torres. Yeah, uh, Peaches, tell 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 the gentleman who he is. What his superhero yeah, so name is? Here's the. You can tell him the superhero name. That's how we'll combo this. Okay. Here's here's the very abbreviated what I learned 15 minutes ago. Hopefully, I got this all right in my head. Uh, in some issue of of, uh, of a Captain America comic in 2015, where Captain America is Sam Wilson. Um, he Torres is a teenager that gets kidnapped and experimented on, and he turns out to be, uh, after the experiments, a part human, part bird hybrid who is part human, part bird because he is experimented on with none other than Red Wing. So he ends up having... Who is an actual bird in the comics, we should yes, remind listeners. Who is an actual bird that Falcon sh- shares a telepathic link with. Yeah, well, Falcon has psychic does. bird powers in the comics. <laughs> well, after all these experiments, Torres continues to be a part bird, part human hybrid, who also now shares a telepathic link with Red Wing because of the experiments, and because Torres has a telepathic link and Sam Wilson has a telepathic link, they end up having a telepathic link with each other and can just communicate to each other through their heads. <laughs> and what is his name? Falcon. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so maybe Falcon. the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is Lieutenant Torres, not Sam Wilson, because Sam Wilson might be Captain America by episode six. Confirmed. Also, according to this Marvel wiki, I found he's a human slash bird slash vampire hybrid. Oh, yeah. There was something about vampires in there, too. He's going to be in Morbius, too. Yes. Yeah, so... Oh, gosh. What if he is? That would be wild. All that to say, there's a chance that that character who immediately seems like a side character could stick around. Yeah. Um, they might keep him around as Sam's sidekick. Right. Where yeah, Sam Falcon. was Steve's sidekick before. Apparently Red Wing is vampiric. And that's how this guy becomes part vampires because Red Wing is vampiric. <laughs> You didn't expect this to get weird, did you? <laughs> I mean, it's you know, it's the comics, and I know how the comics go, but this is this is going far. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so because avian carriers of vampirism, which is a phrase I never imagined, uh, don't suffer from a lot of the side effects that afflict humans. Only some aspects of that condition were transferred to Joaquin. The most notable of these abilities is a regenerative healing factor, which prevents Joaquin from turning back to human. Claire Temple theorized, hey, Claire Temple, uh, theorized that this regenerative abilities uh, could even regrow parts of Joaquin's body. This healing factor has also allowed Joaquin to survive fatal wounds as he has been able to return from the dead after having his head bitten by Cottonmouth. Whoa. He must have been in bird form. Yeah. Um, Or Cottonmouth has a very large mouth. I didn't expect uh, all of these um, 
Netflix characters to show up in this description, but here we go. <laughs> the tie-ins. Wait a minute. Cottonmouth bites him. Mahershala Ali played Cottonmouth, right? And now he's going to play Blade. This is how it's all tied together. Oh, and the, and Cottonmouth the, is going to be Blade. And the bird, Red Wing, he's here to kill the bird because the bird's a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> Hamlet. But a robot vampire, apparently. But a robot vampire. <laughs> Gosh, I hope Morbius ends with uh, Mahershala Ali cutting off Jared Leto's head. <laughs> Dang, that's dark. Is it? No, not really. If Morbius it's cuts what ben off Affleck would want. Jared Leto's head, who's going to give him a reach around? Jeez. Watch <laughs> a Snyder Cut, kids. Enough. Or don't. Yeah. Have your friends tell you about it. Yeah. That's enough reach around jokes for one podcast. You uh, say that now. <laughs> We're at our reach around capacity. Uh, Taurus says the organization thinks everything was better during the blip and wants a world without borders. Sam tells Torres to keep him updated on anything he learns about the Flag Smashers. What? Those two ideas do not seem related to me. And maybe it's because we yeah. have not seen what the world was like during the blip, which yes. we've learned. If you if you look in the background, before everyone came back, they just called it the vanishing. Because um, that's how it's referred to in the Smithsonian exhibit uh, with Captain America. Uh, but, okay, so I thought these were going to be like Thanos was right people. And then it turns mm-hmm. out that they are one world government people, which is a common conspiracy theory kind of dealy, I guess. But I don't, I don't see. I mean, I guess that there would be a lot of worldwide global instability if the blip happened. But I just don't see where the uh, where that comes from. And I, I did some, I did some research by the way, because I'm curious if. Infinity War takes place in 2019, which I believe it does. And assuming that Thanos's snap eliminated half of the population of the universe evenly distributed, so it was like half of this planet, half of this planet, half of this planet, and not just true random, then the population of the Earth would have dropped to the level it was in 1972. That's how quickly population grows. <laughs> that sentence stressed me out. Right? <laughs> it's not like we went back to the Dark Ages. We went back to disco. That Panic. sentence stressed me out again <laughs> when I just thought about it again. And I yeah. want to not think about it anymore. Sorry. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I agree that it doesn't seem to line up. So what? It, so, so I'll just jump in here with the fact that uh, something I didn't know that I felt we needed to bring up on the podcast that maybe Soundlord knew, but I did not, is that uh, Flag Smasher is not an invention for the show. Flag Smasher is an established Marvel villain that I've managed to go my entire life without knowing, which is I was vaguely Flag- aware of Flag Smasher in the sense that I think people talked about, oh, Flag Smasher is is name is go, is going to be in the show and it's named after a character that was yeah um, the extent of my knowledge i cannot picture this person i do not know their deal except for that they yes. apparently like to smash flags and so someone somewhere into. thought this is a good captain america villain <laughs> um also flag smasher came out the year i was born so like this is uh i i, I did there's a whole marvel villain that they're pulling for the show that i i just had never heard of um flag smasher's thing is basically his father uh, was a wealthy diplomat and banker, and he was killed in a Latvian riot 
And so Flag Smasher decided that governments are bad. Nationalism is bad. So um, we... It looks like Space Ghost. Yes, correct. (laughs) Um, So yeah, he decided he was going to use his inheritance and his martial arts abilities to become a supervillain to stop nationalism and create and and borders um which is interesting because i think we may be getting into yet another uh the hero was the the villain was right territory with this one but um there's not much to flag smasher flag smasher seems like maybe the most boring marvin marvel villain i've ever discovered including stilt man um (laughs) but uh yeah so we're doing some deep cuts here but i just think it's interesting how they're tying Flag Smasher into this universe. Uh, First off, I think the idea of something being anti-nationalist is maybe something that would line up with a lot of of previous Captain America work in the MCU. So that's interesting. Uh, And I'm wondering if there's going to be, not necessarily a sympathetic villain, but I wonder if there's going to be some you know, plot twisting of, well, U.S. agents' hardcore nationalism here is the wrong side, and these guys are just trying to help the little guy and, and or whatever. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but they're tying it into the blip somehow, and I'm I'm with you that that feels forced, that it feels like we've, we've, yeah, people found out that governments are bad because half the population was gone for five years. I, what? Huh? Um, so I agree with you. It feels really forced. They didn't need to tie it into the blip. Uh, I do think it's interesting that they're also tying it into um, uh, something that I think scares a lot of people now, which is, you know, uh, certain image boards or organizations on the internet uh, rallying people to their cause via uh, message boards. Um, yeah, that that would, works much better for me. That yes, was a much, I, you know. The idea of anarchy is probably not the one that's the more popular. I think we think more about um, the people that are hardcore nationalists towards at least our country uh, on some of those message boards. But there is a lot of anarchy. There is a lot of um, those sort of organizations on there. So it's not that it's far-fetched or inaccurate. Uh, so I do think that's interesting. Um, we'll see. I just mostly I just wanted to say, hey, guys, Flag Smash is a thing. Um, and... <laughs> That's weird. They're I know, doing some deep I cuts. know a lot of Marvel heroes and villains are like really sometimes obnoxiously on the nose. But like y'all ever hear that Dimitri Martin joke where he's talking about like when people named the animals, like did they get lazy? Like, hey, what's that one doing? Eating ants? Ant eater done. Like <laughs> that would happen with Flag Master. It's like, I gotta call myself something. What's the last thing that I did? <laughs> Flag Smasher. Oh, and also, Flag Smasher was created right before um, John uh, John Byrne, U.S. Agent, right before U.S. Agent became. Oh, Captain John Walker. Walker. Yeah, John Walker. Um, so he was Flag Smasher's. From what I can tell, his peak of activity lined up with being the um, forced meme arch rival of New Captain America. I guess I should say when Super Patriot became captain america because then captain america became u.s agent but so anyway flag smasher that's all i got we return the ceremony sam was dressing up for at the start of the episode as he donates captain america's shield to the smithsonian after the ceremony james rhodes asked sam why he didn't keep it and wilson reiterates that it felt like it belongs to someone else wilson is left looking emotionally at the shield 
In a fancy hotel, a man surrounded by security is attacked by the Winter Soldier. The soldier ruthlessly slaughters the entire security detail before strangling the man and telling him Hail Hydra as he does. When he is finished, a young man who had been at the hotel for a conference is trying to enter his room. He tells the Winter Soldier he didn't see anything, but is shot anyway. Bucky Barnes awakens on the floor of his living room, revealing the experience to have been a, a flashback nightmare. Peach! Hi. So, right off the bat, from the beginning of this show, you can kind of feel the MCU-ness of it, correct? Yeah, I think what I wrote down here kind of goes back to what I didn't even know I was going to mention about the, oh, we're killing people again. This, like, felt to me very much like, oh, hey, people really like the Winter Soldier. A lot of times when people talk about their favorite MCU movies, they talk about Captain America, the Winter Soldier. What if we just made a show that was Captain America, Winter Soldier, the show? And that's what they that's what it felt like they did here. I mean, they they got Henry Jackman to do the score, who did the score for Captain. And it's very evident that 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 music lines up like it's mm -hmm. you hear the, the music starting in the Falcon fight scene in the beginning. And you're like, oh. I've heard this before, but in a good way. It's not, it's not bad music. It's very well done. Um, but I just, you know, I, while I really like winter soldier, if I remember correctly, it's in my ranking, it was five or six by the end of our rewatch. Um, I just don't, uh, I don't know how I feel about a repeat of it. I, I, I'm not saying that this show is going to be a repeat, but the fact that right away I was like, oh, this is Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Or this is um, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, the show. Um, it made me think, well, hopefully they don't just they don't just copy this for six episodes. It, it, a lot of times it felt like, oh, I'm watching a scene that was supposed to be in that movie and they deleted it. Um, specifically this one where, where Bucky, you know, breaks in and is murdering all these people. My immediate reaction was not, this is a flashback. <laughs> My immediate reaction was, oh, he went back to killing people. <laughs> why, does he, why is he hailing Hydra? Oh, wow. Um, so, well, obviously, by the end of that, I realized it was a flashback. But um, I don't know. I just, I don't know if you guys got the same vibes or, or not. But I, I, I hope that this show ends up with its own identity and doesn't just feel like, Here's some stuff from that movie that you guys liked. Yeah. Yeah, that scene especially had very strong vibes reminiscent of that movie. And I get that, and I, I'm not opposed to it. I think the, what we're going to see going forward is once these two characters finally get together, I think that it's going to take on a different tone. I think the action will probably still be reminiscent of Falcon and the Winter... Excuse me, of Captain America the Winter Soldier... And there's nothing wrong with that because that movie had some really good action, I thought. Um, but I think tonally, I think it's going to be a different kind of story going forward, especially the relationship that Sam and Bucky are going to have. So I, I think it will start to feel more like its own thing once we get to that point. And I think even the Sam scenes in this, I mean, you don't see someone going to get a bank loan in any of the Marvel movies. So I think that uh, there there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to separate it from that. 
in the future. Yeah, I'll say those those were my initial thoughts from the opening scenes of our reintroduction of these characters. Um, and that's, that is what kind of stuck with me. But I think by the time you get to the end of this episode, it kind of feels like it shouldn't have been called the Falcon and the winter soldier. And it should have been called Sam Wilson and James Barnes. Right. Um, and I don't think that's a problem. Um, but we'll see, we'll see what changes. I famously like talked about the when we thought we were watching WandaVision, not famously because I'm not famous, but I talked about a lot in WandaVision about that show turning into a six hour movie. And, and that wasn't true. I think that one was really a an episodic TV uh, adventure. Uh, this one, on the other hand, yep. famously, Sebastian Stan said before this series came out that it was a six hour movie. Uh, split up into a bunch of episodes. So uh, maybe we're going to get a little bit of that feeling, especially here in the beginning, because there's so much exposition. Yeah. It it, it didn't feel so much like an episode that had like one story it was telling as it did. We're going to start till the beginning of the story. And this seems like a good stopping point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, Bucky had a plot. Sam had a plot. They didn't feel related at all. And um, neither of them are resolved by the end of the episode. There's no resolution yeah. at all. Yeah. Which, Which are, is uh, uh, problems fine, but it's not my preferred way solved. of TV. <laughs> yeah, and problems don't necessarily have to be solved in TV, but I think uh, to have a complete episode, there should be a beginning, middle, and end. And this one has like a beginning, and the episode ends, but it doesn't have an end. Yeah. Barnes attends therapy, which he is told is part of the pardon he received from the U.S. government. Barnes is pressed hard by his hard-ass therapist, okay, on any recent events, and he tells her about how he tracked down one of his targets, a U.S. senator, who was a Hydra plant he helped get into office as the Winter Soldier. From the point of view of the audience, Barnes is using his skills as a longtime covert assassin to track down the senator and bug her car. The therapist has given Bar Barnes three rules to follow while he takes out targets. Number one. I'm a girl whose only job is to marry rich. Sorry. He is not allowed to do anything <laughs> illegal, so he merely recorded a damning conversation so the senator could be convicted. Rule two, he is not allowed to hurt anyone, uh, which he lies about as he did knock out the senator's muscle. And rule three, Bucky, uh, Bucky Barnes admits to the senator that he's no longer the Winter Soldier, introduces himself, and tells her reaching out to her is part of his effort to make amends showing he is not the hunting down targets for assassinations, but rather cleaning up his part as part of the rehabilitation. As he walks away, the senator is arrested. What a weird thing to make a guy do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Like, I'm interested in it, but what a weird... Hey, you know, you used to be a guy who had no mind of his own and went around ruthlessly murdering people. I think as your comeuppance, you should revisit all those people in your right mind and just say sorry and just introduce yourself play a little icebreaker game maybe hi how much does a polar bear weigh enough to break the ice i'm james barnes <laughs> i'm no longer the winter soldier <laughs> i i thought it was did y'all take a look at his amends list no and notice that h zemo is on that list oh, okay awesome yeah oh maybe that's how the glue gets stuck <laughs> yeah. I thought this was brilliant. 
um, and hilarious. Like I, I howled when he, hi, I'm James Buchanan Barnes. I'm no longer the winter soldier. This is, a, this is a condition of my recovery. Like I just, Oh my God, they're, they're alcoholics anonymous, anonymousing him. Like that's, it was just such, yeah. such an interesting <laughs> twist that I didn't expect that I thought was genuinely entertaining. And obviously you're baited into being, okay, he's doing his old winter soldier stuff. He's going to take out this Senator. And it's like, and it's like, no, he's going to smile uh-huh. and, and wave and say, hi, I'm not a bad guy anymore. And then walk away. And of course she gets arrested. With just a touch of vigilantism. In yeah, there. no, I <laughs> Where... I just thought it was such a brilliant, this to me was the the height of the episode because it was just such a brilliant, I think this funny my twist scene. I didn't expect. And on top of that, it's not just that it's entertaining. It's also something I've kind of expected the MCU to do is just take the easy route and move on from what Bucky was. Uh, you know, there's not, probably no one would really question them too much if they just didn't, like, forgot the fact that, ah, he was a supervillain, killed a bunch of guys. Um, and instead this show is going to grapple with it, and I think it seems grapple with it in a very intelligent way. So I, not only did I think this was a fun, interesting twist, I thought that watching the Winter Soldier go to therapy was really great um and that's not and me laughing at it me thinking it's funny is not meant to diminish therapy either i think it was also played um with value and played with reverence oh yeah the actual therapy was was like i mean there were jokes in it there were funny parts in it but it was a serious scene it was the flashbacks that were right it's funny it manages to have an entertaining amusing uh therapy session um, and the reason, and it it is of course absurd on its face that because we don't actually have super super villains, but super villains going to recovering therapy and yet also being well okay, <laughs> and yet also <laughs> being played straight though and being played so the idea of therapy is not what's funny here. The we're not poking fun of therapy itself, but we are yeah. having a little bit of fun with the idea of a super villain going to therapy and i just i i think that's great i think it managed to hit the right tone of being reverential of something that has value to people and should be uh more accepted socially than it is and yet also made it entertaining um and then is also going to open up a a what i think is an important and interesting storyline for bucky um so i just i just i thought it was fantastic this this is what i want to see more of I also want to see more of Falcon flying around and throwing people out of planes, but this is what I want to see more of. Mm-hmm. This was very, this is the part of this episode that made me think, okay, I'm in. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I, I really enjoyed this scene. This was, like I said, my favorite part of the episode. I'm a, we, we've uh, established, I love Bucky. I'm a Sebastian Stan. And um, I mean, I've got, I've got a little, I don't know if you can see it. There's a little winter soldier on my desk over there. <laughs> like, like big fan. Always, always have been. Uh, but if you look, go back to the movie The Winter Soldier, or go back to Civil War, uh, Civil War especially being the first time that they really tried to deal with, he has done some bad things that are affecting people that we love with, with the revelation that he killed Howard and Maria Stark. That story was really only explored from the perspective of Steve Rogers, Bucky's best friend, and Tony Stark, the man who was orphaned by the winter soldier they didn't really go into how did bucky feel about this how 
like how is this affecting him the closest we got was when tony said do you even remember them and he says i remember everyone which we see in this episode now is true we see that he remembers every single innocent bystander that he killed and you have to think that is even even with the and, and we talked about this in the civil war episode about how much culpability do we put on Bucky? How much do we forgive him because he was brainwashed and turned into a weapon by an evil Nazi organization? You can question, you know, whether he's culpable or not. And he's now been pardoned conditionally by the U.S. government. So that's good for him because he did help save the universe. So he kind of earned that. But even if he's not culpable, doesn't mean he's not guilty. And then he doesn't feel that guilt and live with that guilt every day. So it's going to be really interesting. I'm really excited to really get some depth to the character of Bucky Barnes now. I think that that is probably what I'm most excited about for this show now. It just, I you know, it was in the back of my mind like, okay, it's going to be cool to see more of Sam and more of Bucky. But now that I see that this is where they're going with Bucky's story, I can't wait. I can't wait uh, to to get more of that. Yeah, I think everything happening with Bucky is really cool. I find it really interesting. I um, I like the idea uh, of 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 the sort of the emotional journey the character is going through. This idea of culpability and and responsibility and guilt, uh, I think, is a really interesting way to play the character. Um, so I'm excited for this. I I will say that at the end of this episode, I don't know how you guys felt, but I was a little more interested in the things happening with Bucky than I was the things happening with Sam. Maybe that's a, a bias. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I did find that at the end of this episode, I was like, I really want to know what's happening with Bucky and the stuff with Sam is interesting as well, but I really want to like see Bucky's journey in this. Uh, maybe that'll change a little more as the, as the series goes on. I don't think I have just for future us. I don't think I have anything in addition that y'all didn't just say to add for the second thing I wrote down, I agree with you too. I like, I, I found the Bucky scenes more interesting and that's, that's uh, kind of what, what got me more in it too. And I love Sam. Sam, I remember after watching Winter Soldier, I, I knew nothing about the character of Falcon going into that movie. And I remember leaving that movie going, oh, I want him to be in all the movies. He was great. And he is great. And I'm real excited that he gets to stand on his own in in this show well i mean co-lead with with bucky of course but you know they're both characters who have been even though they're even though you know sam's an avenger and bucky's bucky they've been side characters so i you know for them to be co-leads now it's going to be real exciting and i and i loved getting to see about sam's family and his childhood and stuff like that and honestly i want to know more about that i feel like they talk about you know, oh, dad was a pillar of the community and all this other stuff. And I want to hear more about that because that kind of would explain how he became who he is. Um, but yeah, I think, I'm, I don't know, we've known Bucky for one movie longer than we've known Sam, I guess. I don't know. Maybe that's part of it. And I just thought the story was just a little more compelling coming from everything that was happening. Same, I think they're the little setup that they did with there, the little, uh, and we'll talk about it here in a sec, but they did a little bit of a setup here at the beginning of the episode and then kind of paid it through in the middle of the episode. So like, I think there was just a little bit more. I think a lot of what was happening with Sam was all just exposition. It was all explaining, kind of setting up. Whereas they, 
they went a little deeper with with Bucky, and I think that's why I think I gravitated a little bit more to Bucky's yeah story this episode. Right, and yeah, same story. As much as it was about Sam and his sister, it was also about. By the way, here's what life is like after the last five years. Yeah. Whereas Bucky's story was this is a Bucky story. Right, and exactly. While we're here in this moment, yeah. something I've been I wanted to say at some point in this episode is. While I don't feel particularly enthralled by, you know, Sam and his sister's story so far, it was an engaging emotional thing that made me, like, I am emotionally invested in the characters and where they're going to go forward in the series. So it's important. It just wasn't necessarily like, wow, this is exciting. It's, but I am invested in them. The therapist presses Barnes about reaching out to other people and insists he shouldn't be doing this alone. She specifically calls him out for ignoring texts from Sam Wilson. Barnes admits he has just gone from one flight to another for 90 years and just wants peace. But his therapist, an ex-soldier herself, rejects that, telling him that he should be embracing his new chance in life to do things that make him happy and include other people in it. After his appointment, Bucky meets with his friend, Yori Nakajima, and they head to lunch at a local sushi bar as they do every Wednesday. As they eat, Yori sets Bucky up on a date with a sushi, uh, sushi chef, much to Bucky's embarrassment. Yori is suddenly overcome with emotion, thinking about his son. He tells Bucky he was killed while working abroad, but never got to know exactly what happened. As he listens to the story, Bucky stares off into space with the Winter Soldier theme playing. My mind went a hundred different places this episode. At first, Uh when I saw Bucky with, like, an older person, I was like, oh, maybe they, like, knew each other. Uh, yeah. But then I was like, no, but he's, he'd be kind of too old. For, like the the person, like it's too it's too late. Like that yeah. person would be like really old at this point. Yeah, there aren't um, going to be any World War II vets in twenty twenty four. Right, <laughs> if Bucky is one hundred and six. Yeah, right, yeah. exactly. And they wouldn't be as, as spry as this gentleman was. Yeah. Uh, and then when he starts talking about his son, I was like, oh no. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh no. Yep. <laughs> and then when they played the Winter Soldier theme, the the. I was like, oh, well, I know what happened, and I'm sad and I now. I didn't make the connection as to who the son was immediately, but my wife did. She goes, his son was the guy at the convention. Oh, yeah, okay, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so good. It's very good. In Louisiana, Sam visits his sister Sarah and her family, where she is operating a shrimping and fishing business out of a boat that belonged to their parents. Sarah is planning to sell the boat due to her business going under, but Sam, feeling an emotional connection to it, is trying to talk her out of it. Bucky heads to his date with the sushi chef. As they start to connect while playing Battleship incorrectly. What? Uh, okay, when you get a hit in <laughs> Battleship. Do you not like the drinking? When you get a hit in Battleship, you are allowed to make another move. That is not the end of your turn. Maybe not in Drink Battleship. Okay. <laughs> if that was the case, you get drunk real fast. Uh, <laughs> she talks to him at length serum. about how much not knowing how his son died has messed him up. Bucky suddenly interrupts her and leaves, going to see Yori at his apartment. There I we need see to the point shrine. out, by the way, that her monologue, I, I said this to you guys in the chat, taken verbatim from an episode of Six Feet Under. <laughs> almost, almost verbatim. Oh, weird. I saw the <laughs> About video orphans. Hit play. Okay. Oh, yeah, hit play. I'll watch it sometime. It's it's the same speech, but with more F-words. <laughs> weird. Oh. <laughs> there we see the shrine for his dead son, the young man the Winter Soldier killed in the earlier nightmare. Bucky is unable to confess to Yori, and after stammering, pays him back for lunch and leaves. I was so stressed out watching this. My heart was in my feet. Like, I was sitting there like, oh, God, no, don't do that. Already? Like, we're already going here? Like, I can't do this. I can't do this. This is probably part of why we 
felt like that feeling is probably another reason why we felt more compelled with Bucky's story just after episode yeah. one for yeah. like for just the culmination of all those scenes because I felt exactly the same way I was like oh god don't tell him don't tell him he's such a nice old man but also you should tell him because he is a nice old man and he just wants to know what happened to his son oh god but don't tell him yeah I mean that's a great story but then also you know thinking back we know about the winter soldier like we have seen the winter soldier in action as a hydra operative all of sam's family stuff that's new information to us we're already invested in the story of bucky barnes the recovering winter soldier so this is just a continuation of a story that we are already invested in all the sam stuff it's good stuff but it is new stuff too so we're still learning it and and getting into that do you think that yori would have even believed him Uh. because in the date he he says he's 106 years old to the bartender um which is not a joke but she uh-huh. thinks it's a joke like if you were a guy living in 2024 and you were like excuse me sir i used to be a hydra operative i'm actually truthfully 106 years old and i murdered your son i have a metal arm like what <laughs> like do you go is this is this a joke to you this is my son like why are you why are you making a joke of this? Do you think he would have even believed him? I mean, after he showed him the metal arm, maybe. <laughs> I I guess. <laughs> but, I don't know. I, I assume some of those... people know about the Winter Soldier, I think. That's they do, and wondering. I guess the biggest difference is he has a haircut and he doesn't wear a mask. Yeah. Uh, like a lot of people at Publix. But, um... Oh, damn. <laughs> Vikings, <laughs> apparently. I mean, he can just but, uh, take people to the Smithsonian. Like, hey, look, uh, that's me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I remember his face is all over the news during Civil War, right? Too, oh, that's right. Thought that's that right. he murdered. I hope that's Pachaka. not part of his his uh, schedule when he's doing all these atonements. He's like, you don't believe me? All right, we're going to the Smithsonian. Does he hop on board? <laughs> does he have to go through some sort of atonement to the Stark family? Like, does he have to? I don't know. Talk to Morgan Ooh. on. Like, yeah, I was gonna say, who's he gonna apologize to? <laughs> Sorry, you never got to beat your grandparents, right? Ooh, like, ooh. Here's a cheeseburger. I feel like he's already made amends with the Starks by by what? helping them out in Infinity War and Endgame. Did he? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. He was there, but so we maybe need... it was in Tony Stark's will that he got a right. Uh, He's like, give these glasses to Peter Parker, give a pardon to Bucky Barnes, uh, give a cheeseburger to my driver. In Switzerland, Lieutenant Torres attends a gathering of the Flag Smashers. Masked with the Flash ma- Flag Smashers. <laughs> it really smashers. is a bad name. I know they say it in the episode. But gathering of the Flag Smashers <laughs> sounds like this weird anti-nationalistic version of the Juggalos, you know? <laughs> I played bass for Gathering of the Flag Smashers. <laughs> Is that like your Black Flag cover band? <laughs> yes. Masks with the Flag Smasher logo are handed out, and those in attendance act as a distraction while someone else in the mask robs a bank. Torres attempts to arrest the thief, but they display super strength and subdue him easily. Who do we think this guy is? Um, I actually I already know smasher. because it's already told on on Wikipedia. I don't know if I want to spoil oh, it for you guys. Don't oh. don't yeah. Let's okay. pretend we don't know. Yeah, when I was doing Flag Smasher uh, research, I found out that some stuff was already known about this character, and it's already on the wiki. 
Um, no, I don't. Yeah. So I can't. Yeah, I don't want to. I am not going Harkness. to speculate. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to know. I want to keep it. If you want to know, there's a Wikipedia out there you can search. But I want to. I want to. Yeah. Experience it for myself. Yeah, it's Tony I'm, Stark. I'm, when I think about it, I get sad that the Evan Peters casting leaked because how cool of a moment would that have been when he showed up in WandaVision if we didn't know he was going to be in it? So I'd like to not know as much as possible. Yeah. Sam and Sarah visit a bank to attempt to get a loan to save Sarah's boat. The bank rep is starstruck when he recognizes Falcon and we will find out the Avengers were only paid by no do- by donations from the public. Having not had income for the past five years due to the snap, Sam and Sarah are unable to secure the loan despite Sam's obvious fame while the rep gushes. That guy needs to get punched in the I hated this guy a lot. There are so many issues at play here. God. First of all, you think they wouldn't have given Steve Rogers a loan if he had showed up asking for one after being snapped for five years? I I, I can't speak too much about it, but, you know, that, that is... There, there is certainly a, a racial and a class element at play there. Uh, I think both of those, and you know, Sarah kind of speaks yeah. on that a little bit in the in the scene uh, in in the scene following up this one immediately. Uh, I, it's going to be interesting to see how deep does the show go in it. Are they just going to you know mention it and say, hey, look, we're dealing with these important issues, uh, or are they really going to get into it? And I feel like they are because of how this episode begins and how it ends. It begins with the, uh, we just don't know who that guy is. I don't, I don't know if he's supposed to be like, he's part of the department of defense. I think. Yeah. I wanted to name him in the notes and like, couldn't find anything. It's just a dude. Which guy? The department of defense guy. Yeah. I don't know if he's a secretary. No, I don't think he's Smithsonian. He was at the Smithsonian, but he's with the government. Yeah, because oh. remember Brody is at the Smithsonian too, but he's not as you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I, I didn't, I didn't mention. I was so excited when Brody showed up. <laughs> I yes, wasn't expecting yeah, yeah. him to be in this. I show. I didn't expect that it, either. Yeah, it was just a great moment. I was like, hey, Brody's there. But yeah, but this Department of Defense guy, whoever he is, we haven't gotten a name for him yet. Um, but when Sam turns over the shield to the Smithsonian, he says, "You did the right thing." And at the end, he gives the shield to some bum uh, with a. Carl Fredrickson face. Did y'all see that, by the way? How people photoshopped the Captain America mask onto Carl yeah. from Up. And because that's what this guy's head looks like in the mask. <laughs> I can't really describe it. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's good that Sam gave this shield to us so that we could make a new Captain America that fits what we think Captain America should look like. Mm-hmm. They're going to go there. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're going to go there. Um, they already went there. Yeah. Yeah, so so it'll be interesting to see how much of, a, of an explicit theme this is going forward. Um, but also, in addition to, to the, the racial element of this, a, watching a world that has gone through an unprecedented crisis where governments and corporations are taking advantage of it and or just not helping people, it really hit hard. Uh, right now, especially knowing that this was filmed before the pandemic, uh, and all these things happened. I, the, when we talked about the rules changing at the bank about how they can't give out loans, you know, I never thought about like, how would the businesses react to this? And 
you know, saying you haven't had income for five years. Yes, because I and, you know, 70 billion other people have vanished, you know, or, or however many it is. Uh, it's a lot. <laughs> and then them saying, well, we had to change the rules because of this. It What it made me think of was, you remember the ice storms and blackouts in Texas a few weeks back? And how there were reports coming out about, like, the boards of directors of these energy companies talking about what a great opportunity it was for them. And how the electric bills for these people went up by thousands of dollars. And how this human tragedy, this natural disaster, became a, you know, something that they could profit off of and what a great opportunity it was for their businesses. That's what that made me think of. And... I won't go too on, but uh, but you know that it, it's it's sickening, <laughs> and yes, this is exactly what would happen if the blip were a real thing, and people came back. Yeah, it would be a crisis with with people coming back. Absolutely, just as it was a crisis when they went away, and we saw some of that in the chaos uh, of Monica Rambeau uh, returning from being blipped. Mm-hmm. And we saw that in WandaVision, but it's going to be really interesting. I think this is going to be an even better look at what a post-blip world is like than Spider-Man or WandaVision was. Because Spider-Man mostly played it for laughs and then moved on. And now we're going to see, hey, this was actually a really horrible thing. Like, it's great. I mean, we see at the beginning of the episode the man thanking Sam for bringing his wife back. So there is definitely a lot of that, of people being happy. Oh, you know, our loved ones are back. This is great. But then also the turmoil that is coming about from it and the almost mundane the the mundane nature of mm-hmm. some of the turmoil of some of the you know it, it's uh you know a massive crisis that is also just affecting your everyday life in little mundane ways which sounds familiar too uh, so yeah it's gonna be interesting i just keep thinking about the audacity of that man to know the entire time that he is not going to approve this loan and ask Falcon to pose for a selfie. Yeah. Like, oh my god, I want to punch him in the teeth. As they leave, Sam insists he can get a loan from someone, while Sarah yells at him for not understanding what she has gone through the past five years without him. I know it autocorrected to years, and it's not supposed to be five heads without him, uh, so don't worry, Robbie, I got you covered and didn't just mention the incorrect part on the podcast. While he works on repairing the boat himself, Sam gets a call from Torres showing him video of his encounter with the Flag Smashers. Sam talks to him for information, but is interrupted by Sarah telling him to watch something on TV. As Sam and Sarah become emotional, the Department of Defense holds a press conference to introduce a new Captain America, a stranger in a new costume, holding the shield that Sam donated. Um, Real quick, this dude is Kurt Russell's son? Yeah, yeah. He US is? agent is Kurt Russell and, and Goldie Hawn's son. I did not, I didn't realize this. Oh! Yeah, yeah. The, the Russell and Wyatt Russell is Kurt Russell. Which, okay. does that mean he's the son of a celestial? I think that's canon. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, it's weird that we're in the, the part Wars now brother. where a lot of celebrities' kids are now starting to become like famous actors like the first time i found out that john david washington was denzel washington's son it Uh, blew my mind excuse me (laughs) we talked about that like some number of episodes ago okay yeah 
Well, it blew your so mind. We were talking again. about the castings. We were talking about the castings of Fantastic Four. Right. That's when it came up. Oh yeah. Uh, you know the one that surprised me. And I'll keep this in the Marvel universe. Is Bill Paxton's son? Because Bill Paxton played a character on Agents of Shield and in, in the first season. And in the final season, this character came back through time travel, a younger version of him. And I'm watching it and going, this guy is nailing the Bill Paxtonisms. And then watch the credits. It's Bill Paxton's son <laughs> playing the same character. Like, okay, that's really cool. <laughs> you know what that really surprised me is that Elizabeth Olsen is actually <laughs> sisters with the Olsen twins. Oh! Many people I had are surprised one of these- to find that out. Yeah. I had one of those similar things, uh, Soundlord. When I've started watching Shit's Creek recently, uh-huh. and um, I, I was watching like the first couple episodes, and I go, "Man, David really looks like he could be a part of this family. Oh. Like, like he really looks like he might be related to Gene Levy." And the person I was watching it with was like, "It's because they're related. That's." <laughs> he's Eugene Levy's son and I was like oh okay that'll, that'll do it and then I found out that Twyla the waitress at the cafe they frequent is is the is Eugene Levy's daughter so uh, David's sister wow so that whole family's in the show anyway so we reached the end of the episode. It was a pretty straightforward episode. We've got a little bit more podcast episode to go, but you'll notice that this podcast episode is probably going to be a little shorter than the WandaVision episodes you're used to. And Peaches, that might be attributed to the more straightforward MCU-ness nature of this episode, right? Yeah, I think it's... I don't think that... It's not like we've we've never podcasted on a thing that wasn't a mystery box show before. Like every other thing in the MCU is typically more straightforward than this compared to WandaVision, but it's weird to go from WandaVision to this. I almost think I would have liked the original order that Marvel planned of this going first. Cause it would have been a more traditional thing. Um, I think that it being more straightforward doesn't make it bad and it doesn't make it hard to discuss, but it also means that there's not 40 minutes of us theorizing, you know, like what is there to theorize? There's a few things like, you know, we learned about Torres's character. Maybe we can theorize, is he going to become part bird? (laughs) I think that'll be a little bit far fetched. Um, You know, there's still, there's stuff we don't know. Like how is Sam going to get the shield back? Like how is uh, Sam, how are Sam and Bucky going to meet up and work together? Whatever it is that I do. But I think it just means overall that there's a lot less to comment on plot wise because there's, there's no mystery, you know, there's, it's, it seems like more of an action show, a typical action show. So, you know, I don't think it'll be bad, but I think it is, it's a tougher hook, you know, for, for me anyway, if, if, if you're a diehard action fan out there, maybe this did it for you more than WandaVision. But for me, because there's no mystery, because I feel like I pretty much had a clue about what was going on the whole episode, there wasn't that, what the hell is going to happen next? You know, like, I'm going to watch next week, obviously, but there's no, like, I have to watch it now. Like, WandaVision episodes afterwards, I was like, it can't be Friday soon enough. I was mm-hmm. wishing every next day was Friday. I was just wishing the week away. Um, 
and I don't see, I don't see myself doing that with this show because of how straightforward it seems to be. I, I feel like you guys might agree. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. I, I and it, and you said that doesn't necessarily make it bad, and I agree with that. It does not make it bad. And the Eduardo talked about this being a six-hour movie. This cohesive whole might end up being fantastic. In fact, I'll I'll be surprised if it's not fantastic. Uh, but what I found myself doing is, okay, so. I, I take a long weekend this time every year because the NCAA uh, men's basketball tournament tournament is going on, and that is my that is my big sporting event of the year. I take the weekend off just to sit and watch it, and so I had to insert the show between games while while there were only like two games going on, and so I found myself just being really impatient for can this just be over so I can get back to basketball, which I don't think I would have done with Wandavision. It doesn't mean I disliked it, but it meant that this was not. This was not becoming the thing that I wanted to focus my attention on like WandaVision would have. And as soon as it was over, when the WandaVision episodes were over, I was immediately thinking, I need to get my rewatch in so I can do the notes. I need to catch some stuff. And this was like, uh, I guess I'll have to rewatch so I can do the notes. And I don't find myself looking forward to next week. And again, that is not saying that this series is not something I'm interested in, but it does mean this episode just felt like, it's not that I didn't enjoy it. It's that it didn't, engage me in a way that like you said the mystery box did yeah it's not going to dominate my thoughts this week the right. way that wandavision did <laughs> you know wandavision it's like everyone's i don't know i'd watch go back and watch those episodes again and again mm-hmm. i think my rewatch count of wandavision episode one and two is like five yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and wandavision in addition to having the mystery thing was just so different and so unique and it mm-hmm. it, it speaks to the possibilities of what you can do with a Marvel show. And this felt like a regular Marvel show. Right. Like, you know, it didn't feel that different from, like, Daredevil or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or something, except with a bigger budget and more movie characters in it. And it's not bad because it was well done. And, And, you know, I'm certainly excited to see where it goes next. But I'm not like, oh my gosh, I wish it were Friday so I could watch the next episode. I mean, I, I want to watch the next episode. I'm going to watch every episode. I'm probably going to really like this show. But yeah, it's just after WandaVision. I mean, it, it WandaVision was always going to be a hard act to follow. And especially a hard act to follow after only two weeks. So Yeah, that probably didn't help it either. Just yeah. like there was no time for us to stop thinking about WandaVision. This was supposed to come out in August and WandaVision was supposed to come out like in December. Yeah. So we would have gotten this first and been like, all right, this is fine. This is good. And then December would have come and knocked us out with WandaVision. But instead we got WandaVision as the first new Marvel thing in a year and a half after being denied Marvel for all of 2020. <laughs> and uh, and then it being so good and so unique and so engaging in ways that Marvel hasn't gotten to do before. Yeah, it's just, I, I feel bad for them that the that the production interruption kind of threw everything out of whack for them, their original plans. But this is good. This is a good show. And again, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. There, there's clearly a lot that we all liked about it. I'm going to go on on a limb and say that by the end of this series, we're going to feel a lot different about the show. I think we're going to be a lot, lot, lot more positive on the show at the end of it. Whereas WandaVision, 
you could almost say because I have seen some a lot of people that didn't like the ending of WandaVision and didn't like kind of where the story went but really enjoyed it as the journey. I think WandaVision lent itself more to being much more enjoyable on an episode by episode basis and this will probably lean more towards this is going to be enjoyable as a whole not necessarily an episode by episode enjoyment if that makes sense yeah no that makes a lot of sense this episode was so much setting up what's coming next yes well, and I need to correct myself earlier. I said Sebastian Stan when the, was the one that called it a six-hour movie. I was incorrect. It was Anthony Mackie that called it a six-hour movie. But point still stands. Six-hour movie. Yes. It's gonna it's gonna lean a little bit more towards it, it as a whole rather than it, the the sum of its parts. Yeah. Six-hour movie at six episodes with six minutes of credits each means that it's a five hour and 20 minute movie wait a minute i thought you said six episodes six minutes uh uh six hours six episodes six minutes credit six 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 mephisto yep <laughs> <laughs> he's back baby That's, oh boys never mind there are theories credits to fill an entire regular broadcast television show slot yes okay yes it is all right, where do you guys think things are going next? Beach, we'll start with you. Where do you think or hope this show is going for the next five episodes? Yeah, so um, I, I don't know. I like. I feel like we're going to get... Here's, here's, <laughs> here's what makes sense to me, but I'm not sure that Marvel is going to fully embrace this. I think the show is going to perk my ears up more if it starts embracing taking a side politics-wise. Um, since our, our fair lady pandemic has been happening and people have come out with their different opinions on if, or if it is a good or bad thing, or if it is even real or et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I'm trying to dance around this real hard. Um, <laughs> some hey, companies have come out podcast? and get the vaccine, baby. <laughs> and you um, should too, listener. <laughs> Um, I'm not going to dance. I, I'm, I'm curious to see if they start embracing the politics and if they do what direction that they go. Uh, we kind of very subtly talked about how um, U.S. agent in the comics is kind of more of your Captain America if he maybe believed in all the opposite things of Steve Rogers. And so they could fully embrace that route and painted in whatever light they feel is necessary. Um, Obviously we already have some uh, people of different skin color being treated differently than other people we assume would in this first episode of this show. That's something that they could embrace and tell a good story with too. I think if they decide to go down that route, um, it would be very interesting um, both from a viewer and a person that cares about other people's perspective. And also it'd be interesting for Marvel to put something out like that, that does kind of take a stance that way, because I assume as a company, they probably want to appeal to as many people as can make them money. Um, But as a person who cares about values and morals, I really like when companies take a side and say, these things are not right and we are not going to stand for them. And you shouldn't either, whether or not that loses them money or not. So anyway, I kind of hope that they lean into that a little bit 
like we just kind of went on about, immediately the first episode did not catch my attention as effortlessly as WandaVision did. But I agree with you, Eduardo. I think by the end of this, it's going to be a different story. It's just, how do you, like, how do you, how do you compete with an opener like WandaVision? How do you do it? I don't know. What do you, what are you feeling, Eduardo? What do you think's coming? Yeah, it's tough because WandaVision was so good. And it, part of it was because it was so good almost out of nowhere, right? Like we knew so little about WandaVision and then it just sort of captured the public zeitgeist and really just kind of took over uh, a lot of our like quarantine and keeping ourselves at home gave us a lot of time to really sit and theorize and do all this stuff whereas i think maybe falcon and the winter soldier might have benefited from being more of a, a water cooler type oh hey did you see the last water or the last falcon and the winter soldier it's not something you have to think about very hard it just it's right there for you um we got some really cool emotional pieces i am more interested in the emotional side of this than the super action heavy oriented side maybe uh, that'll change as the series goes on but i find that the characters are what interests me more at this point than the, the action itself um, not that i am opposed to action i think a cool action scene is going to be cool regardless um, but i'm much more interested if it's going to be in this long style format i want character development i want to really fall in love with these characters even more uh, now that you have the time to really take some 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 time to flesh them out so hopefully that's where I think, and I hope it can continue to kind of capture our attention just like WandaVision did. Robbie, what about you? Uh, mostly, I just want to say that listening to the two of you say all this gives me such relief because I was so worried that I was going out on some sort of limb and everyone would be mad at me for being negative. And I don't even think the two of you are being negative, but I was really worried that I was going to be like the only person that did not think this was a flawless episode of television that stood on its own and was genuinely entertaining um or, i mean it was entertaining but um everything the two of you just said uh i completely agree with and they're my thoughts uh so i don't necessarily know where it's going like okay we're gonna get i'm sure we're gonna get uh, super patriot u.s agent new captain america whatever we're gonna get the arc of you know i don't know if he's gonna be straight villain or misguided one of those things um but we're gonna get the arc of sam wilson wrestling the uh the mantle from him i'm sure we're gonna get um some flag smashers stuff i just i don't know where it's going and yet but i'm also not like on the edge of my seat like where is this going like it would have been with wandavision so my main thing is wherever it's going i just would like it to get there fast um because i can't i don't know that i will feel the. i agree with you eduardo that i think i am going to like the whole of this series um more than this episode but I will not, I don't know if I'll have that feeling if I have another episode of just um, exposition and not any sort of movement. Um, so not not to say I did dislike this, just wasn't thrilled. Chris? We only get six episodes of this, so we need to get these two characters together mm -hmm. as soon yeah, as possible. Yeah, that's another good point. I get that you know, this episode had a lot to set up, but if these two are not together halfway through the next episode i will be upset mm -hmm. <laughs> uh i'm sure what they'll give us will be entertaining but the show is called the falcon and the winter soldier and i want it to be a show about them together yes. not a show about the falcon and also about the winter soldier and we get two or three episodes like if we only get like half of the series with them together i'll be upset because one of the things i've been most looking forward to is their relationship mm -hmm. 
because you know Sam. It's nice to hear that Sam has been checking in on Bucky, but you almost feel like it's kind of perfunctory because they haven't always really liked each other. There's almost been a kind of a jealousy over. Well, Steve's my friend. No, Steve's my friend. <laughs> you know, like like there's been a little bit of a jealousy thing there, um, and it'll be cool to see that come to the surface. But I want it sooner rather than later. I don't want it to drag its drag it out. We we only get six episodes. I mean, I know that some people complain about the Netflix show saying that they had to drag stuff out to fill thirteen episodes. We only got six episodes. There's no time for dragging. So let's 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 get to it. Uh, you know, I I appreciate this episode took its time. Had a lot to set up. It has a lot to to of heavy lifting and world building to do with given the events of Endgame. But I want to get to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier now. It's going to be interesting also to see how much of a shadow Steve casts over this show. Uh, and it's going to be interesting seeing them grappling with legacy and what does Captain America really stand for. And I hope we get that red, white, and blue Falcon costume by the end of this. Yes. What is a legacy? It's planting gardens in a... <laughs> planting flowers in a gardens you never get to see. A lot of Hamilton references today. I know. <laughs> Alright, ratings. Robbie, we'll start with you. What are you going to rate Falcon in the Winter Soldier? Episode 1. I liked it. I But I just barely liked it. So I'm giving it 6.5 Villains Anonymous Recovery Programs out of 10. Peach? Uh, I gave the first episode seven sushi cats out of 10. Eduardo? I'm going to give it seven banks are evil out of 10. True. And uh, I will give it 7.5 Dr. Space Cape out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, that looks like that's going to do it for this episode of Assembly Required. Thanks, everybody, once again for listening and giving us your your, your patronage and your support. We really appreciate it. If you want to email the show, you can email us at assemblyrequiredcast at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at assemblycast. You can follow us all individually on Twitter. Uh, PhilKid3 for Robbie, GatorSax2010 for Chris, D underscore Peaches for Peaches, and ABCD Eduardo1 for myself. That's going to do it for myself, for Chris, for Robbie, for Peaches. We love your 3,000. Bye, everybody. Excelsior. Yeah, Hydra. Bubbly, bubbly. Yeah.